Chris Watkin here, joined by the wonderful Claire Hughes, who is an estate agent extraordinaire. Used to work for Purple Bricks, now for EXP as our own self-employed estate agent. Um, very prevalent on social media, a voice for women estate agents. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Claire. I'd like to ask you your story, your ups and downs, your fears, frustrations, your hopes and dreams, so other people watching this can learn this. Is that okay? Absolutely fine, then. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you for coming up to Grantham. So, um, when did you first see the light of property? Right, okay, so I've, I've got three children and it was really, as, as once I'd had my family that I started um, looking for something to do work-wise again. Okay. I'd been in recruitment before that. A friend of mine was a relocation agent. I saw there was a gap in the market for a, a relocation agent in East London, and, which is where I live. Um, so I targeted that market and I spent quite a few years um, relocating people coming from uh, uh, Delhi, um, Frankfurt, the States, um, loved it. What did you love about basically, I mean you were the spending people. other people's houses. It's people, it's always people. But you never met these people did you or did you meet them early on? I didn't meet them before I, I would pick them up on the day and I'd have a, a brief of the kind of properties they were looking for and then I would go out and, and show them properties. You're almost spending other people's money, weren't you? Most of them were rentals, and in most of them, it was the companies that were paying. Okay. And what did you like about it particularly? The fact that you took someone else and was able to, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, go on. It was just finding out their stories and helping them, because for a lot of people, it, it, was, well, it was a huge deal. They were coming to a, you know, a, a new country. Sometimes it wasn't their, their, you know, their first language. So introduced to, sometimes I would go around supermarkets with them and sort of introduce them to how we work in the UK. I found, interestingly, the Americans were the ones that were most nervous coming to the UK. Why is that? I'm not sure, because we share a common language, whereas, you know, the Germans coming over here, they didn't have a problem with it. The people coming from Delhi, no, no problem. What was, that, what was the Americans' biggest fear? Um, very narrow roads, very small cars, and I don't know, they couldn't get the same product in the supermarket, literally. Oh dear, bless them. <laughs> I mean, um, how old were you children when you did start work in 2002? Um, so that would be, Morgan would be about three, I guess. Okay. That, so going that, to nursery. Okay. Did you, um, did you feel guilty in any way that you were going back to work too early? And no, I wouldn't ask that question. I was just mind. about to say that. I was just <laughs> about to say that. And three, she was at nursery anyhow, and the, the, the boys were at school. Okay. Um, I needed to do something. Right, okay. And that was the important thing. I needed to do something because um, staying at home with the children was, you know, I'd done that. Yes. They were now at school and nursery. Um, yeah, so. So you were in relocation until 2009. So... What made you want to go to the dark side and become <laughs> well, an estate agent? The, the financial crash, people stopped moving. They, you know, the, the, it was mostly the finance houses in sort of Canary Wharf in the city that I was, I was working with, and they just stopped. So I looked for an alternative, worked for an independent estate agent in 
um, the Stratford area. I think it's actually placed in between Stratford and Canary Wharf. Okay, near the Olympic Village around there? Uh, absolutely. So I used to drive past it every day and could see it sort of growing literally uh, over, the, uh, over the months. And we were in a great location to, um, to be helpful to. We actually worked with the Olympic Broadcasting Service to find them accommodation as well. So it was a superb location. Great fun. What did you like? I mean, if you think about it, when you're a relocation agent, you're working for the person on the demand side. Now mm -hmm. you're trying to get more sale. You're trying to get the houses on the market for sale or rent. Did that take but, a seismic you know, change? But I think that I was in a unique position. I'd, we have a small portfolio of properties anyhow, so I understand what from the landlord's perspective. I could um, put myself in a tenant's shoes. And now I was on the other side. So I thought I was in a, a unique position to offer a service to everybody. And, you know, 2009 was a tough old market. Mm -hmm. Was it good going into an estate agent, letting agents that was pretty tough? It was tough, yeah. It was tough. But I, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. What else did you love about it? But it's, it's, always, it's still the, pe the people. It's the people. It's still the people, yeah. And the area. I do love East London. I okay. do I really. I mean, I'm not native to East London. I was about all. to say, you haven't got a new... Th East, <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm from Lancashire. Okay. So, so what, what's a girl from Lancashire doing in Get Out My Pub uh, territory? Married, East a, 17, married yeah. a man from Hackney. <laughs> aren't, aren't they normally supposed to come to, to the, where the wife lives, not the other way around? No, I'd come down, down to, to London for the, the bright lights. Good stuff. So um, talk to me about the years of you know, 10, 11, 12. How are you getting on with those? I mean, obviously, 2012 being the year of the Olympics. Yeah, so the, the, the run up to the Olympics, because the, the contracts that we got were for about a year. So, the, you know, we were, it was basically service apartments. We had 250 service apartments at one point. So, it was, you know, for run up to the Olympics and after the Olympics, and then I did actually take a little bit of time out because it had just been absolutely flat out for a couple of years. And then I um, and I came across Purple Bricks. So what year was that then? Because they started in 14. Yeah, so I joined them in 2015. So, so I'd, I'd had contemplated setting up my own business, um, potentially going into partnership with somebody. That didn't work out. I'm, to be honest, I'm quite glad that didn't happen because that would have been with a sort of traditional office and all the overhead and okay. the stuff. So 2015 Purple Bricks could do no wrong at that point, could they? It was fun. People, a lot of people say it was like a family. The culture was amazing. Um, so Kenny and Michael, fantastic, you know, very charismatic guys. Um, it was a lot of fun. It, it was exciting. Um, we were shareholders. We all got share options, you know, just for doing our job. And I think that really gave us, we, we had ownership of the company and that, that generated that, uh, that culture. And were you concerned, I mean, a lot of people say that they, they misled people with their advertising. What's your opinion on that? I don't think they misled people. I, 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 obviously, if somebody doesn't read the contract, that's a different matter. Was it quite clear in the contract you, you will pay if you? Yes, of course it is, yeah. I mean, Michael is a lawyer. <laughs> it's, it's definitely but it wasn't hidden that. somewhere, was it? it was no, it wasn't hidden anywhere. And you know, I, I know people sort of talking to task over that. There were occasions when people were, were pulled up for it, but I don't know because I wasn't there, so I can't say whether that was, okay. it was true but or not. But you, you can look everyone in the eye and say, you know damn well, if you don't sell, you're going to have to pay. Absolutely, yeah. So you were there for five years. Yeah. I mean, did you, did, you, did you see it as a... I know legally it's self-employed. Yeah. 
but did you see it yourself as your own business? To start with, absolutely, yes, because that, that, and that was one of the first things I asked, <coughs> excuse me, I asked um, Kenny and Michael when I first met them, is this a business that I can sell on? Uh, absolutely, yes, and without missing a beat, they came back and said yes. So that was important to me, to have an asset that I could sell. When did, the, when did it start not to be enjoyable? Really, when the Bruce brothers left, I would say. Okay. That it, it just it changed the you know the the culture changed um, the the management a lot of before that the management had been you know they'd been territory owners and they'd, they'd gone up the ranks so they understood what it was all about and that was no longer the case people came in from outside and I think one of the real difficulties is if you have a self-employed model and then you bring in people and tell them to manage people that are self-employed they're no longer running a bit their own business and, and you think that was that was wrong um, that was misleading so why do you think it changed do you think the pe the new people that got parachuted in didn't realize it was self-employed legally I'm talking about you know culture here I, I, I genuinely believe that the people leading the company were no longer um, they no longer understood the people, people's motivation for coming in. Whereas Kenny and Michael did. They, you know, they've run businesses, they've started businesses before. I know we were running much smaller uh, businesses. And were you treated like employees when, when the new management came in? I felt so. Okay. So how did that make you feel? Um, well, obviously, the reason I joined Purple Bricks no longer existed. But it was, you know, I was earning good money. But I was... I suppose vaguely contemplating what I'd do sort of longer term. Okay. Then something happened in nineteen or in nineteen early twenty, which really could have potentially messed your life up, couldn't it? Absolutely. The, so I was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor. Probably, it's actually not longer after I started working with Purple Bricks. Uh, not many people in the company knew about it, but because it was benign and it, hopefully treatable without um, surgical in intervention. I carried on. Anyhow, it, it, the, that intervention um, didn't work. So in February 2020, I had surgery to remove the tumour. So, so cause what had happened was the, the tumour had continued to grow and was then sort of pressing on my brain stem, causing lots of problems, as you can imagine. My facial nerve was damaged. I have no hearing on my left side. So all sorts of things. Was that because of the tumour or because of the operation? The complete, so the, um, the hearing was damaged on the left side because of the surgery. I now have no, they've removed everything. So balance is an issue, hearing is an issue. It's affected my eye, obviously affected my face as well. Did you, did, did you know that was a potential risk? Oh yes, very high risk. But what's the alternative? <laughs> it's not a, not a very good alternative. Um, for those people who are facing some surgery, what, what, what did you learn from that? Just um, so we can help the boys and girls out there. Understand what it, you know, uh, what the problem is and understand the, the problem as much as you can. So I, um, when I first got my diagnosis, this, this specific type of brain tumor is called an acoustic neuroma. I found there was a, there was a help group online. So um, 
I made contact with quite a lot of people and got some support that way. So make sure you're informed. Uh, to my mind, some people don't want that. So I suppose it's a personal choice. Mm. I'd like to know as much as possible. Did that help? For me, it did, yes. Yeah. I talked to the neurosurgeons, the ENT surgeons, um, you know, the facial rehabilitation team, and, you know, and talked to them a lot. And my experience with the NHS is not, because I know a lot of people over the past two years have had all sorts of issues, not having appointments. I haven't had a single appointment cancelled. I've had as much time as I need with, uh, with consultants and physios, and it's been amazing. Because you had your operation just, you know, in early February, so just as COVID was about to hit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God it didn't happen a couple I of years I know, it would have been, that, that kind of surgery would have been bounced, I, I, I bumped, I, I definitely would have had to wait. And, you know, don't know what would have happened in that time. Well, what if, what ifs, we can... So, what did that, what did that surgery do to your outlook on life? Um... Well, the whole experience, and I would say that it's the timing of the surgery and then COVID, because the whole world ground to halt. Um, so, it, so I kind of ground to halt with it and just had time to think and, you know, all, all we could do was, you know, go out for a walk with the dog and what have you. And my good friend and colleague, uh, Simon Taylor, had just um, joined EXP. So we were talking uh, about, you know, how, how it was going for him. Love Simon, by the way. I know, he's great. Um, and, you know, we worked quite closely when we were with, with um, Purple Bricks. So I spoke to him, and I spoke to Adam, and I spoke to Ben Moore, and I just thought, this is genius. This is, I, can, I can do what I always wanted to do, what I was, hoped I was going to do with Purple Bricks, but now I can do it for myself. Okay, but surely you had some fears? To be honest, not really. I think, I think because of what I've been through, okay. I wasn't fearful, maybe. Do you think that? Do you think that the tumour was a blessing in disguise? It's, it's part of me. It's part of where I, you know. It's why I'm here, I guess. Because okay. had I not had it, I might have just chugged along with with purple bricks. Okay. Because so without the tumour, without COVID, perhaps I would still be with purple bricks. Are you happier today than you were? Say, oh, here's an interesting question. Yeah. Compared to the glory days of the Bruce's at Purple Bricks in the early days versus now? Happier now. Even happier now? Yeah. Honestly, it's a great place to be. Okay. So, so how long have you actually been at the coalface with EXP now? Um, so I started uh, October the 1st, 2020. Okay, so now we're, we're filming this in January 22. Yeah. So we're talking a good 16 months. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not sort of full-time, full-time. I know there are plenty of agents. That, I mean, you look at, I'll use Simon as an example because we, we do work quite closely together. You know, he listed three properties last week. I don't want to list three properties. I need a slightly slower pace of life. Okay. Because part of the, my sort of ongoing health issues, I suppose, I do get fatigued um, and you know, balance and things. I just don't want to be rushing about. I don't need to be so rushing So how many about. properties do you like to put on the market a month? I, if I put two on, that's absolutely fine. And are you, you're happy with that? Level? Absolutely. Some people would say that it would be a failure. 
just to have them. Well, no, it's only a failure. If you're trying to put 10 on and you put two on, then surely that's a failure. If you're trying to put one on and you put yeah. two on, that's a success. Do you worry about what other people think about you in terms of I low used numbers? to, and I don't now. So what ex what, well, how have you taught yourself not to be worried what other people think about you, the judgment of others? So right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was doing some online networking just... I don't know why, but I was. And there's a, there's a guy up in the northwest. He runs um, an online networking group called Move Online, Mark Waldron. And he said to me, as I picked up the phone, I said, oh, I think this would work really well down in, in London as well because they do these network, networking events. And he said, yeah, OK, that would be good. And he said, but and we started talking about business and you know, said, whatever I planned to do, I needed to do video. And I was like, I can't. I've really got an issue with my face. And, and he said, Claire, that's your superpower. So I did a video, got nothing negative, only positive. And I thought, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I went from there. And and really, do you think do you think you do you think you would have that fear if you didn't have the issues of your face? I've always, always hated video, doing video work. You know, with you said so management you, training courses and things were all yeah, So do you think you it. were using do you think you were using that that issue and blaming it on your face when in reality the issue wasn't your face I, it was actually exactly that's what Mark said it's my superpower so I can you know I can blame everything on that can't I <laughs> so what would you say to someone who doesn't have something like you what would your message be to um, embrace whatever you? your fears are face your fears and do it anyhow do you think you've grown as a person over this two years mm. absolutely and if I had your husband next to me what would he say about you I think it's, he'd say he was proud of me I hope so. <laughs> and your children? Oh, yes. Because of how old are they now? 28, 25 and 23. Good stuff. I've That's got to get that right. <laughs> they might see this. <laughs> What's the, um, what would your message be to someone out there? And we don't want to turn this into an EXP fest. No. Okay. But what would your message be to someone out there who is fearful of making the jump into self-employed agency? It isn't for everybody. Because you have, you have to put yourself out there. And it, you know, it doesn't matter how you're going to do that. You do have to put yourself out there. And it could be door knocking. It could be social media. Um, but if you're contemplating it, then speak to other self-employed agents and see what their experience is. Because there are some people that have tried it, and it hasn't worked for them. So I'd try and speak to, to you know, both parties, really. And what does the future hold for you? Carry on doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I love introducing other people to the model as well. I'm okay. enjoying doing that and speaking to people, um, telling them about the model, but, you know, carry on uh, selling and, and, and letting properties. Well, thank you for your time today. I hope you've learned something, boys and girls, from Claire. And, thank you um, very much for inviting me. That's okay. And we're, what we're going to do next is a series of individual topic videos, which will go alongside on our YouTube channel. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Chris. Chris Watkin, joined by the wonderful Claire Hughes from EXP. Um, Claire, why do some EXP people seem more interested in selling EXP than selling houses? Talk to me. They're not, is the answer. Okay. If you, if you look at the number of agents that are um, trying to attract other agents to EXP, yes. um, you'd call it selling. I don't call it selling. It, it is, we, we want to attract agents to the company. Okay. Um, it's very few. It's just you see them, therefore you see them all the time. You see okay. them everywhere. Okay, I, okay. Well, it's like when you decide you want to buy a mini, Indeed. or you see minis over everywhere. It. But 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 when I see posts of, of some, not all, 
And I must stress for the record, mm -hmm. I am a fan of EXP. Other self-employed models are available, and mm -hmm. I am a fan of those. I am a big fan of EXP. So that anyone who gets RC and offended, <laughs> I do like EXP. I love the model. I love the cult. I love the, love the culture. Yeah, it's okay. Quite. And I, I tell you here and now, I can't, I'm not aware of any other self-employed model where the culture is any it is better. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think you are the best when it comes to culture. So I'll just can we just get that one out of the way That's great. before you yeah. start slagging yeah. me off, you lot, <laughs> like a bloody cult. Okay, but when they when they say when they when we've got cheesy pictures of people with their kids taking them to school and it says work life balance, if you want to be an estate agent, give me a call. I'm just thinking to myself, cheesy. I know you don't do that. No, I don't do that. But if that's that might resonate with a, a different audience. I mean, that's that's not what I do because I don't no, you have don't. School, school aged children either. So no, you're you're. If you don't mind me saying, you're good because you go out there, you give value, and then you say if you're interested, give me a shout. What you're doing? I don't always do that either. No, you don't. I'll give you that as well. What well, I mean, the likes of you. Scotty can be a bit on and off, bless him. Ben definitely, he's good. Scott's, don't get me wrong, Scott's always good. Scott's but, great. But the, the issue is, do you make people, are you trying to sell it or are you trying to get people to buy it? But they're not, there's nothing to sell. So there's nothing okay. to sell but or to buy. But there's a financial really. motive, isn't there? There is, but of course, we are all shareholders. Yes. EXP agents, just by just for doing their job, we get shares. We get gifted shares in our company. Okay. So it is within, um, you know, we want the company to do well because if the company um, makes money, we make money. If the share price increases... We, yeah, but I'm talking about actually you bringing someone on that earns you a couple of grand a year. Potentially not. If they don't sell houses, they don't. Okay. But I mean... I mean, there are some that some agents that have even dropped being an estate agent and just becoming a guru. But that's, I, I mean, that's their choice. That's the, it is their choice. It is their choice. But of course, we don't want to just attract agents who want to just sign up and attract okay. other agents. Because if we don't transact, if, if agents don't transact, we don't okay. make money. So am I just am I being awful? By actually saying that it's You're just... being awkward. <laughs> okay, but I've got to challenge you lot because some of you out there are being a bit... They, surely you must see some some of your colleagues in the XP thinking, because they're actually, if they're not, if you're not careful, they're actually ruin, potentially ruining your story. I, I, I just think you're over... You know, you see you see it all the time because because you're looking for it. Of course I am, because, because I think you lot could do better. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't think that would necessarily work either. Though if you're saying you know, the stuff, the content that you're saying, I'm not sure that would work to attract I, agents. Exactly. I'm yeah, glad so, we agree. No, no, no. I don't, so I don't think, but I don't know because it might resonate with a, a different audience. But if it, and if it doesn't work, then they're not going to continue doing that. But very few EXP agents globally work on agent attraction. It's about 10%, and there's about 71,000 across the, the world now. And what's your balance? Bit of both? Selling out? Bit of both, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what tips would you give to anyone who's in EXP that wants to, as part of their income portfolio, I love that phrase, <laughs> uh, attract other agents? What advice would you give to, to, you know, and I'm not, you know, this is advice that is not, you know, Ben does it well, Scott does it well most of the time. I love what Simon does. I love what you do. That's very kind. And I mean that. You're very kind. Okay. But what advice would you give to the people who are just out there being a bit barra boyish? They're not barra boys. Yes, they are. It's my opinion. Well, 
Okay. Agreed what advice? Differ. We agree uh, to disagree. Uh, so, okay, so look at the agents who perhaps, if that's something you want to do, then look at the agents who are more successful at it. And, it's, you know, and, what, and give me some clearly defined things. What should they be doing? Putting out content that people that that's, uh, adds value, is interesting, and then also just follow up on all your contacts. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. People will not necessarily come to you. So almost give in public and ask in private. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's your mantra, anyhow. It certainly is. Thank you, Tante. I was being a little bit cheeky. I know. I okay, know. Okay, but again, <laughs> if you don't think you're going to you're going to get away lightly when you come on the walking sofa. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for your time.